folks. Welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm your host, as always, Jason Van Tatenhove, and today it is Father's Day, June 19th. And in honor of Father's Day, I thought I would bring on a special guest host, my youngest daughter, Winter Raven. And I've been showing her how to how I produce the music and use the software packages that I do to, to get all my tracks together and just record a podcast because, you know, she's uh, she's pretty handy with things. She's uh, definitely a, a space wizard creator, much like her father. And, you know, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So this is my youngest daughter, Winter Raven. Say hi, Raven. Hi. And um, so, uh, yeah, she's going to be here with me and she's she's welcome to jump in on anything I'm talking about here and uh, just kind of give her thoughts now winter is 13 years old and uh, going to our local junior high here um but you know she's she's been no the high school junior high that's what i said middle school is junior high same thing we just used to call it junior high when i was your age that's okay anyway so we're gonna be um first thing i wanted to do was talk about um, you know, the, the pride celebrations across the country are really starting to take place. We've got Juneteenth happening. I'm not going to talk about my feelings on the mass marketing of, of both holidays at this point, where the corporations take over and wring out all the profits they possibly can. Um, but I wanted to start off with, I was reading a, a post from a fellow Substacker here in Colorado. And if you haven't checked it out, it's part of my recommended recommended um uh substacks and it's the uh it's by ari armstrong and it's the colorado pickaxe so if you haven't if you haven't checked it out yet he's got a lot of great um great information he's a writer here on the uh front range but he had a whole slew of of different things in his uh newsletter today and um so, uh, yeah, the first one started off with it, it. The reason I talk about it is because there were two subjects I was going to talk on anyway today. And that is the um, the anti the this authoritarian anti LGBTQ plus movement. And um, he had hit on several stories that I had been following this week anyway. First coming from the uh, the Colorado Sun. So we're going to talk about that. Um, there was a great 60 minutes piece on Alden global capital who owns our local newspaper. I used to work for them. Um, and here when I worked for the local SS park trail Gazette, um, and they own a lot of the newspapers here in Colorado. And I thought the 60 minute piece was just great. So, uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit and then, um, and, uh, yeah. So before we do that, Let's just get the business out of the way here right now. And I want to thank my sponsors, the Historic Park Theater here in Estes Park, Colorado, and the Real Mountain Theater as well. And, um, you know, they've got some some big blockbusters coming up here real soon. Um, actually, it's happening already. They're, they're, they're already out. Um, but this week... You're going to be able to check out, um, you know, the Buzz Lightyear uh, is coming out on the, I guess it came out on the 17th. Um, We still have uh, Tom Cruise's 
uh, reboot. It's not a reboot. It's a, it's a continuation of the Top Gun Maverick and uh, Downtown Abbey. So yeah, yeah, those are definitely some things uh, to get out there if you're looking for something to do in Estes Park, whether you're just visiting. Um, the one I really want to see this week is um, the new uh, Jurassic Park. Um, and uh, that is uh, something I've been looking forward to. And that's Jurassic World Dominion. And that's playing over at the Historic Park Theater. And uh, if you just click on the banners, you can um, you can get your tickets there. And uh, yeah, I mean, get in out of the heat, get into some air conditioning and, and, and just relive what it was like to go to the movies. Um, all right, so. The other thing I was going to talk about, so I, I took a trip to um, to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Never been there before. Um, this is part of Georgetown Law. And um, the, the speaking engagement I'm doing with Georgetown Law on the ICAP. And the ICAP is the Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection. And it uses strategic legal advocacy to defend constitutional rights and values while working to restore confidence in the integrity of our governmental institutions. So it's a nonpartisan institute within Georgetown Law Center. Um, and it's it's headed up by Mary McCord, who I've had on the show. She's a previous uh, acting in U.S. Attorney General for National Security. And um, again, me and Mary kind of connected after my Hulu documentary. She was in it as well. We both organically reached out to one another and developed quite a a rapport since then we've been working together on a couple different things uh but one of the things has been this uh, kind of a speaking tour started off on zoom and uh, i just went and did the first one there in milwaukee um they put me up in uh, man I, the room was like bigger than most of the apartments i've lived in as a young adult just massive room up on the the fifth floor sixth floor of the uh old paps blue ribbon brewing company which you know um the old Laverne and Shirley show. I was having flashbacks to that. And uh, it was a great, great opportunity. I went out there, I did the dinner speech, and then they invited me back to just kind of sit in on the uh, next day's um, uh, speakers. And it was, it was great. It really was. I, it was, things are definitely changing because, you know, I've had very few people say, I want to take a selfie with you. And man, I had a lot of selfies taken with me over the past week, but these were all people, you know, these are, are some of the top prosecutors in the country um, fighting extremism, whether it's some of the stuff that was happening in Michigan with the governor who the attempted, attempted kidnapping of the governor out there. Um, you know, these, the, every one of the news uh, stories you've seen um, recently about violent extremists doing something stupid, the, this group of people are are the people in the trenches really trying to do the good work of stopping this and uh so it was it was a great uh great little event and uh i'll be heading out i think in september to seattle to uh do another one um little update on the congressional hearings things got pushed back a little bit there was a vote or something that had to happen so they canceled one of the uh the presentations which pushed mine back but i should be um Flying out there in the next couple of weeks and and should be on the one of the prime time um, hearings and so that's all moving forward. I did um, uh, I connected up with Nick Quested, who is the guy who the documentarian who happened to capture the uh, 
leadership of the Proud Boys and leadership of the Oath Keepers meeting in that parking garage down in the basement of the parking garage in Washington, D.C. And he was he had the spotlight for the first um, congressional hearing and uh, he wanted to interview me. And I we, we came up with a quid pro quo so that he'll be coming on to the podcast here uh, soon enough and uh, speaking there. So let's get into. Um, I want to I want we're going to refocus on Colorado here. And um, so here in Estes Park, we've got our first ever um, Pride celebration. We just had our first ever um, drag shows within the last couple of years, kind of split up between the pandemic. But so we're, we're kind of in the same boat as Highlands Ranch. And this is according to a Colorado Sun story by McKenna Harford. Highland Ranch's first ever drag show has become a target of a local anti-LGBTQ plus group, leading to protests and counter-protests from the community. Um, so there's this group called the Freedom Fathers, and they are protesting a comedy show that will be hosted by two drag performers. Um, and uh, it it actually already happened. It was on the 17th at the Southridge recreation center the freedom fathers claim the event grooms and sexualizes children even though tickets were restricted to adults 21 and up the freedom fathers an organization that says it promotes christian conservative values um held a a prayer rally was planning on holding a prayer rally um described as a peaceful protest with signs outside the south ridge rec center in response to the planned event a um a counter protest was organized by indivisible highlands ranch and uh, was uh, there to support the comedy show. Um, in a video on the Freedom Fathers Facebook page, Aaron Wood railed against the show being hosted at a rec center. And in a Freedom Fathers email newsletter, Wood said the goal of the prayer rally is to cancel the show and prevent future drag events in Highlands Ranch. Colorado Community Media was unable to get any additional comments on it. So, you know, and this this follows on what we saw in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I covered it on my uh, last week's podcast, you know, where Patriot Front, 31 members of Patriot Front was uh, arrested while huddled together in a U-Haul going out to uh, their first ever uh, Pride event. And, and so that just, it makes me worry. You know, we had Jen Bass on the other week talking about Estes Park's newest you know, they're our historical first pride event. And, um, you know, so far we haven't heard about any protests or counter protests here, but you know, it's something to keep an eye on because it's, it's happening across the country right now. Um, when are you're, you're a kid. What, what do you think of, of the, the people saying that these drag shows are grooming children and, and, um, you know, uh, somehow sexualizing them. What, what are your thoughts on that? Wait, so is this like the these are like the anti-lgbtq community that's saying this yeah yeah so they're saying that you know this is inappropriate for kids and that you know it grooms them now grooming is a term used to say you know if you wanted to um sexually take advantage of say a young woman or a young young man uh whatever the case may be um that you you kind of get them used to things little by little um and and that's what's called grooming so um you know you you have been to um kind of pride rallies and and 
BLM rallies and such. Yes. You know, what what are your thoughts on Pride Day events, and and do you think that they're detrimental or or dangerous in some way to people your age? And you're 13, so. Um, I think that it wouldn't like, like we would we should allow little kids in like my age to know what it means. So if they see like two men just like in a relationship and they're like, ooh, what are they doing? Are they just friends? They should know that they're more than friends and that they're dating and that it's an okay thing to do. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you've been to, you know, you've tagged along with me as I'm covering, um, you know, less, you know, I never bring my kids to, and trust me, Lux is always trying to get me to bring her out to, you know, when there, there's possibly a riot that's going to kick off and I won't do it. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, if it's a, a lower level event and there's no real controversy or threat of violence, I, I've oftentimes brought my children out with me as I cover stories so they can kind of see what I do and maybe someday they do it themselves, but just more than anything, be aware and learn what's happening with these issues and, you know, not just getting their information from the uh, talking heads on the TV, but um, going out there and seeing what's happening with their own eyes. So tell us about your experiences. Like when, when we had the BLM rallies here in Estes Park um, during the pandemic, that was kind of your first real rally you went yeah. to, and I went to cover it for the newspaper. Mm -hmm. uh, what were your thoughts about something like that? Um, I felt really happy that I was doing it for like people of different skin color because they need their rights. Mm -hmm. And just what the cops and like other people have done to them is just horrible so when i was there i felt proud of myself being there knowing that i'm doing this for a really good cause yeah okay well, well good um so let's let's talk about the cops a little bit and uh the other part i wanted to talk about here is kind of loveland man Loveland has just been knocking it out of the park when it comes to just <laughs> abusive police practices. Man, they are just a rapid fire string of hits when it comes to this. Um, we, uh, we, we, man, they just they keep wanting to show us kind of just where they've been for so long, and and it doesn't seem like they're really interested in changing that much. So let's just recap, kind of some of the problems we've seen here with the Loveland Police Department, which I know it's not Estes Park, but a whole lot of us spend time down in Loveland. We have family down in Loveland. Many of us move to Loveland when we're done. Um, you know, we have family in Fort Collins that we go visit regularly and uh, have to drive through Loveland. So, you know, the police's bad behavior in Loveland can really affect us here in the Estes Valley as well. Um, and we need to keep an eye on, on what's going on here in Colorado in general. So the most recent, <laughs> the most recent uh, hit for the uh, Loveland Police Department is, this is coming straight out of the New York Times, um, the arrest of a Colorado 14-year-old over a slap prompts excessive force suit. And... Um, the lawsuit claims that the uh, that a man and his 14-year-old daughter were arrested by officers who used excessive force during the encounter in 2020. Um, this is an article by Eduardo Medina, and um, 
it, it came out just uh, two days ago. The father of a teenage girl filed a lawsuit on Wednesday against three police officers in Loveland, Colorado, who arrested her in 2020, saying the men used excessive force when they slammed the 14-year-old onto concrete, fired a taser at him, and choked the family's Jack Russell Terrier. Like, really? And and this is not the first time that uh, the Loveland Police Department has gone after not only children. I mean, we had the shooting death of a mentally unstable um, uh, young adult with uh, some some mental disabilities that I've covered previously. Um, unfortunately, that that young man died. Um, we interviewed his his mother and then some mental health experts um, in the area. Um, and uh, of course, the the other big hit that made headlines is uh, you know the um, the forceful arrest of a, a an elderly dementia patient that resulted in massive trauma and injury. And um, we'll we'll touch on those as well. But the um, the Loveland Police Department officers had searched for the daughter who was identified in the lawsuit only as SS after she slapped a boy in the Safeway supermarket parking lot because she believed he had been cheating on her with another girl, the lawsuit states. The boy, who denied that he cheated, declined to press charges according to body camera footage of him speaking to the officers. And that was released Wednesday by the family's lawyer, uh, Sarah Schilke, and she's she's the one who took the um, the case uh, and won the case against the city of Loveland for the dementia patient's family. Um, so she's really been holding the Loveland Police Department to account, and I got to say, she's doing a good job of it. Um, the three officers named in the lawsuit, Matt Sikla, Jeremiah Wood, and Evan Dunlap, still arrested the young lady outside her home that day. The arrest startled her father, John Sears, who repeatedly told the officers that what they were doing was completely wrong. Uh, Miss Sears was later charged with resisting arrest. His daughter, I'm sorry, Mr. Sears was later charged with resisting arrest. His daughter was charged with harassment, domestic violence, obstruction, and resisting arrest. The charges against them were eventually dismissed. Um, the father says, watching my daughter go through this, I mean, I was terrified. Mr. Sears said by phone on Thursday, I was helpless. I felt helpless just watching them manhandle my daughter the way they did. Steve Adams, a city manager in Loveland, said in a statement that while the incidents were initially reviewed and deemed appropriate at the time of the event, which, let's face it, Loveland has a really, really bad track record when saying, oh, no, we're doing great. Um said he would open a second review of the arrest by an independent law enforcement and public safety consulting firm. The best practices in law enforcement will be maintained and we are committed to accountability if those standards are not upheld, he continued on. Um, it's unclear if the officers have lawyers and the Loveland Police Department did not immediately respond to calls seeking comment on Thursday. Um, a, uh, the, the, one of the spokespeople for Loveland, Nicole Yost, said she did not know who was representing the officers. Again, in recent years, the Loveland Police Department has faced several lawsuits that claimed officers used excessive force while making arrests, including June 26, 2020. These are the, here's the, the top hits of the Loveland Police Department. When a 73-year-old woman with dementia was thrown to the ground and pinned against a squad car, breaking a bone, dislocating her shoulder in the process. 
Last year, the city of Loveland paid $3 million to settle with the woman. Um, Austin Hopp, the officer who threw Miss Garner, pleaded guilty to assaulting her in March and was sentenced to five years. That guy deserved it. You, you should go back and look at the uh, footage from the jail when him and other officers were literally laughing at the cracking, the sound of cracking bones of this old woman. Could have been your grandmother. Could have been your mother. And um, they they think this is stuff worth laughing about. The back-to-back violent arrests point to a toxic cultural problem that can't be resolved by cherry-picking off the officers, uh, Miss Shilke said. We're stuck on Groundhog Day, basically. On June 20th, 2020, um, the, uh, the young victim bicycled back to her father's home, heartbroken over the confrontation she had had with the boy hours earlier. They had yelled at each other, which caused someone to call the police, according to the lawsuit. At the Safeway parking lot, officers Wood and Dunlap were collecting witness statements and asking the boy to fill out a form describing the slap. The lawsuit states, on a form that the boy that asked the boy if the actions of the young lady caused him pain, he marked no. Officers Wood and Dunlap, who had asked for backup, why do you need backup for like a young teenage girl who got into a fight with her boyfriend? Um, and they arrived outside the family home later that day and asked to speak with his daughter. Four officers in total were there to take in the teenage girl. Don't get me wrong. I know better than anyone. Teenage girls can be very scary, but come on, folks. When the young lady admitted that she had slapped the boy, Officer Wood said that she was under arrest. The lawsuit states he began to place handcuffs on her. Uh, which were too yar- large for the 14-year-old's small wrists, making it easy to slip out of. Mr. Sears then asked the officer to stop, saying she was just a child. The family's small white Jack Terrier dog, Skippy, began to bark at the officers in a show of protection. The lawsuit states, prompting Mr. Sears to tell the officers that he was going to get his dog so he wouldn't bite them. As the young lady watched from a few feet away, she began having a panic attack. She was on her period that day and felt scared by the thought of bleeding all over a police car or a jail cell. I mean, this is just a nightmare to a teenage girl. It really is. But they, uh, she begged the officers to let her go grab a tampon, but they told her no, causing her to flail and then collapse on the ground in tears. The officers then approached Mr. Sears and asked him to stop resisting, according to body camera footage. I'm not resisting, Mr. Sears says. Get on the ground, the officer yells, pointing a taser at Mr. Sears and then firing it. SS can then be heard yelling that she needs to go get a tampon. Body camera footage shows, I need to put a tampon in, she yells, using uh, swearing when she says that. Um, the, the, the footage then shows one of the officers yanking Skippy's collar and pulling him off the ground as Mr. Yells, Mr. Sears yells, don't choke my dog. Not choking your dog, the officer says. I'm a canine officer, dude. SS can be heard crying and yelling in the background. The lawsuit states the officer Wood and Dunlap slammed her into the concrete stairway outside the home and pushed her against a brick wall. An officer can be seen placing Skippy inside the house. The lawsuit states the officer's Cycla kicked him in the face before closing the door. The dog was later taken to live with a family outside of state because he became extremely aggressive with every stranger after the police encounter. Mr. Sears told his daughter... Said his daughter has had nightmares for months. She pretty much sticks to herself, stays at home, stays out of trouble. She's a good kid. Um, 
the uh, the father said in a statement, I feel there that there needs to be a change in law enforcement. Mr. Sears said, you know, I don't quite, I don't know quite what, but some kind of change. What they're doing is just violence. And this, of course, it comes on the heels of many such allegations, um, many allegations of holding people in, in jail and continuing to press charges when they've been put over for DUI and blood tests later on show there is nothing in their system. This is happening. There, there's a couple lawsuits happening now in Loveland. There's one in Lut, uh, Fort Collins as well. Um, you know, and this, this just doesn't help the police department at all. Now is not the time to continue on with the old way of doing things. Growing up in Fort Collins and Loveland, we we always, my parents told me whenever I was driving through Loveland as a young teenager, do not speed. Do not give the cops any reason to pull you over because they're hard asses in Loveland. You know, and, and Fort Collins too, you know, I'd have friends that in the punk rock scene and biker friends as a young adult that, you know, the cops would literally pull out. There were stories of the cops pulling these guys outside of town limits, beating them up, beating them up and telling them never to come back. Now, you know, do I have anything to back that up other than the stories? No, but there, there's this lit, litany of, of, things that are coming to light now that there everyone has a camera and we have some new legislation to make sure we can see body camera camera footage so um you know and i've always said that we we have it really good here in estes park and and i'm gonna i'm gonna say it again we have it really good here in estes park um i can tell you my oldest daughter was pulled over this week by an estes park police department officer um I, I think the the reason he, she was pulled over is kind of bullshit, but um, you know the treatment of her during that stop was actually quite um, excelsior. It was it was great. Um, they pulled her over for a um, a, a brake light that I think it's she has a faulty brake light because it it sometimes it's on sometimes it's off. Um, you know she went and checked the brake light right after she was pulled over. It was working fine, but I think there is a fault in it, so it could be. Um, but, you know, is that really a, a good, valid reason to pull someone over? I think that's kind of bullshit. But the officer came, and, and Sierra has had some very bad interactions with police. And, um, you know, she gets a bit triggered and, and panicky when dealing with police, like many people do, who've had bad experiences with the police department. You know, he went back and ran her name, and um, he I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that she shares... Um, a name with me, but, uh, you know, came back from doing that and just was, was very, gave her a warning. Um, you know, her insurance was in line and everything was good other than the, uh, possibly faulty brake light. But you know what? Um, he was like, I just, your, your body language. And I heard this because she immediately called my kids know to call me immediately if they have any interactions with the police and parents, I would recommend you do the same and, you know, inform your children. They have the right to record any interactions with the police and to, to be diligent in doing so. I think that's a, a good, um, a good protection method. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the officer is like, I, have you had bad interactions with police before just based on her body language and, and, you know, tried to just talk to her as a human being. So uh, whoever that officer was, she's got the card somewhere. I don't know who it was, but, um, again, I think, uh, the police department in a smaller mountain town, they have to live within that community and, and S's park, uh, while not perfect, they're certainly doing so much better than Loveland or, 
or Denver. Um, so we got it pretty good here. So winner, let's talk about bringing you back into the conversation here. Um, you know, you, you, you've kind of grown up, um, hearing these stories about the police, seeing the, the, uh, civil unrest that's happened with, uh, you know, after George Floyd was killed, mm -hmm. you know, me being a, a writer and journalist, I start the day off every day, you know, I've got to look at what's happening in the national news cycle. So yeah. you get exposed to that national news cycle and it kind of becomes part of your life. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, on the police and, and the state? What, what do you think about this thing in Loveland? Just, you know, right down the hill from us when, um, you know, a police officer is, has, uh, you know, slammed this girl that, that is between you and Lux's age, you know, could be you, um, you know, you, you would be worried about the same things if you were on your period and, you know, the, uh, the handcuffs don't work right. Uh, and, and I would definitely have the handcuffs. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what do you think? What do you think of something like that? That particular story? How does that make you feel? I say that's just really stupid. Why? they would do that to um, a teenage girl. And she's, she's having a panic attack and she's slipping out of the cuffs. That means this stupid officer would be like, oh, she's trying to get away, stop resisting. And that's just completely stupid because she needs to calm down and get the right size of cuffs. But either, but even way, Either I mean, way. they had four adult police officers. Yeah. Do, do they really need that many? Do they really need to taser the father? No, they didn't. I, you know, pick the dog up by the collar and kick him into the front door. Um, you know, I, I just think we need to reevaluate our training methods and how we have taken police and and really, you know, this this. I don't even know what to call it. Just like. There's, there's no give in some of these interactions with certain police officers, not all of them by, by any means it, it isn't all of them, but yeah. you know, I, I, I think when we start hearing these stories with little old ladies with dementia yeah. and teenagers and, and, you know, people who may be on the spectrum and, and maybe not as cognitively functioning as, as you and me, yeah. You know, these are people that are, are, are you know, going to be dealing with trauma. Some of them are dead, you know, having family dogs killed um, mm -hmm. or, you know, traumatized. Keeping citizens, you know, pulling them over and arresting them for suspicion of something. And then when the lab results come back negative to continue to push that on, it's like you've got to be right at all costs. And, um, you know, it, it just seems... So how do you think we, we do better? How do you think that we get to, you know, so that the police have a better way to interact with people, say, when you're an adult, when you've, you know, 10 years from now, when you're starting your young adult life, um, you know, what would you like to see changed? I would like to see that the officers are not treating anyone like bad and just like is just... um cooperating <clears throat> cooperating yeah co cooperating like with each other talking to each other and seeing what they can do instead of just like handcuffing them and slamming them into cop cars in cement like stairs yeah so i i was writing 
um, last week I was writing the chapter of my book. Oh, and by the way, uh, folks, if you're out there listening, like apparently my publisher has uh, already begun the marketing process. The the propagandist by me, Jason Van Tietenhove, is now available for pre-order on um, Amazon. It's up on the Simon & Schuster webpage. You can find it there. Um, different local bookstores are starting to market it. So um, if you're really interested in seeing that book, you can get it pre-ordered now. It's not coming out till like February 16th, but um, I mean, I'm only, I'm not even halfway done with it, but I've got it all mapped out and I'm on schedule and I'm, I, 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 it should be good. It's really coming along. Um, but one of the chapters I wrote, um, deals with a time that I went down to, uh, cover the story of Sheriff Denny Pyman out of Kentucky. And, um, he had a very unique, unique way of, of policing. Now here's what I'll preface this with. He was a part of the constitutional sheriff's peace officers association. You know, he was a constitutional sheriff, but I can tell you, I've never once seen him even touch his gun, much less draw it. And I went down there and, and did some work, uh, with him. And, and one of the stories I talk about in this book is there was a, a young kid and I call him red in the book. Um, and this kid red had some warrants with the state police and, uh, they had sent, um, police out like three times to get them. And this was up in the hollers and, and deep woods of, of Kentucky. And this kid just eluded them like it was nothing. And um, so they, they, they called in Sheriff Pyman who had come into the community originally as a missionary um, and then became sheriff, was elected sheriff. And he had done police work previously, but I mean, this guy is just like the, the, the junkie whisperer, this, you know, there's, there's addiction that's just rampant throughout Kentucky, at least at the time I was there in this particular County. I mean, the, the streets were literally littered, you know, there was empty suboxone packs that were blowing in the wind across the ground. <laughs> um, and, uh, so he goes out there and, and just yells outside of the house that, you know, this kid knows who he is and, you know, he had arrested his dad before, but that he needed to come out and talk with him because the, the state police were going to send in SWAT next instead of, uh, you know, this was kind of last ditch attempt. And the kid came out and, you know, he, he talked about a, a previous, the previous arrest of his father in front of him when he was a kid that Sheriff Pyman had, um, done. And, you know, he, he, he treated him. He, he always prefaces these interactions with, I'm going to treat you with the same respect you treat me. And um, he allowed this, uh, this kid's father to say goodbye to the family and kind of get things in order real quick. And then didn't even handcuff him and put him in the back. He allowed him to walk out and, and, you know, get in the back of the squad car without cuffs. And, um, you know, when he was talking to red, red came right out and talked about how, you know, the way he treated everyone was the reason that he was letting Sheriff Pyman bring him in. And um, that, uh, you know, he, uh, I mean, I was there during the arrest, boots on the ground, seeing it with my own eyes. And Sheriff Pyman didn't touch his gun once, didn't even go near it. And um, so, yeah, I, I think I think uh, we may need to rethink some of the training that we have been using as um, a culture for so, you know, for so long now, and it's just not having the effects that we think it should. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be it for the podcast. Is there anything else you want to talk about?
You want to talk about Father's Day at all a little well, bit? Well, I'm happy that I have a dad like you and that you do a lot of things for us and the family and just me being there for our little adventures on just doing the paper and just like hanging out with friends and family. And I'm just happy that you're that I'm on the podcast with you today. And that well, you talk I'm happy about, about it me too. on your books. Yeah, no, I write whole books about you. <laughs> For those of you who haven't written my or haven't read my uh, supernatural fiction stuff, the Colorado Chance series has got two editions out. One's a full-length novel, one's like a novella. I had to put the the second full-length novel on hold while I because I got a um an offer and sign a contract on this propagandist book with skyhorse but i'll get back to that series because that's what i want to eventually do is write just be able to write supernatural fiction and science fiction stuff because i can tell so much more truth and fiction sometimes and i just i love doing it um that's really one i want to you know grow old doing but um yeah we'll get back to that but if you haven't read them like the the red witch and a black cat like that's all lux and winter um the two the, the, the series follows kind of an aging punk rock journalist in Estes Park, believe it or not. Um, but, you know, it's in a world kind of that that supernatural world where, you know, that was the inspiration for The Shining when when Stephen King was here in Estes Park and he got that initial inspiration. Um, so, you know, these stories are kind of based in a supernatural world. But uh, the two daughters, they're not daughters in the series because Chance Van Horn, the main character he's uh kind of a a grizzled old punk rock journalist and uh the consummate um bachelor he's he's never really been very successful with uh you know adult romantic relationships um but it winds up that his nieces who he's kind of been estranged from doesn't really know um their their parents die suddenly and and he is now um you know forced to take care of them and uh uh, begin to, to interact with them. So it's kind of a, that kind of coming together of a new family um, and uh, based, you know, kind of a subplot of the the series. So anyway, you can check it out. That's on Amazon too. You can actually pre-order my, uh, my propagandist book. They're taking pre-orders now. And um, yeah, so, all right, folks, that's it for today. We're going to go to Meow Wolf. We got invited to the Father's Day event and we're going to go pick up my other daughter and head down to Denver and, and go enjoy Meow Wolf one more time for the, your, their Father's Day event. And uh, you looking forward to that? Yes, I am. Do you like Meow Wolf? Yes, and I can bring my camera again this time. Yeah, we'll have to get a press pass issued for that, though. But oh. yes, because only press are allowed, but we can do that. Or I can just use my phone. Um. Yeah, I guess you can. To, to do like a professional camera, you got to have the press pass, though. Yeah. So if you want to bring your... your uh, your rebel one will have to do that but that's easy enough they've already got us on the press list no that's good yeah and we won't have to wait in the line that's kind of nice yes all right folks well i hope you're having just as good of a father's day if you haven't gone out and uh done something with your your kiddos try to do that and uh, we'll talk with you again soon again i'm gonna be i'm gonna be here in colorado this week and then uh i may be flying out uh, next week or the week after, um, I'll keep you updated as to when you can catch me on pretty much any major news network um, during prime time when uh, they finally figure out when I'm going to be testifying. But um, you just got to kind of be flexible when dealing with Congress, I guess. That's what I'm learning. And again, I wanted to talk real quickly about the 60 Minutes piece that is going over um, 
the 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 story is local newsrooms strained by budget slashing financial firms. And if any of you've been following me, um, I launched this Substack after I had just had enough with how Alden was was just. Oh man, they were just pissing on local journalism without other than the the courtesy to call it rain. Um, and they're still doing it. And they're doing it here in Estes Park, in our very, very town, where at one point we had a full newsroom. And now it is down to one publisher who really is never in town. And just, you know, just ask yourself the last time you saw the publisher uh, at the Safeway or anywhere in town. Um, the, uh, the, the editor actually lives in town is great. One of the best editors I've ever worked with. She's the saving grace sales guy here in town, but the lead reporter who I think is leaving at this point, um, he, uh, he, he lives an hour away. So, uh, you know, they've just sapped, you know, and it, it really, it's not their fault. Their, 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 their funding has just been slashed, but, um, you know, 60 minutes did a segment on it this week. And, um, they really, really break it down how this is not how this is happening across the country and it's not just Alden. there are other vulture firms that are doing this um you know but according to the 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 article on cbsnews.com you know, talking about this um you know they are uh the, the newspaper industry is in, is totally in a state of decline not exactly um you know a <laughs> We, we've heard this. We've heard this for a long time now. Up to, I mean, it's been like two decades now. Um, and and part of it is the loss of advertising revenue due to Facebook and Google and, and things like that. And just, you know, the paradigm of, of a physical newspaper in the, the world we currently live in where, you know, all of our, our forests are going up in flames and climate change is just running amok. Maybe we need to rethink the whole physical newspaper thing, but not local journalism. Um, and um, you know, this is this is a great article. They they talk about the effects it's had. Uh, a great piece. It's a it's a sixty minute segment, but there's obviously an article that goes around along with it. Um, you know, it starts off with a guy who uh, who is the last reporter standing in a small town. Um, and, uh, you know, this is, this is with a, um, you know, a guy that's written, a, uh, won a Pulitzer before and, uh, Evan Brandt, he, he started a, uh, he, he is the last reporter, um, left, um, at the, the place he used to work. He's now working out of his attic. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we've seen just huge, huge losses in local journalism. Um, and he's saying that the worst culprit is the hedge fund Alden Global Capital, which brought the Mercury, the paper he's working for back in 2011. Um, and it's since sold the paper's building slash newsroom staff by about 70%. And that, that, that's pretty, um, uh, standard practice. We saw similar cuts happen here in Estes and, um, you know, there's there's been a, a 57% job loss since 2008. Um, you know, and and it it, it kind of focuses on. So uh, in 2017, after another round of layoffs, this guy Brandt um, 
said he felt angry and wanted answers and accountability. So he literally went to the Hampton summer home of Heath Freeman, who is the 41-year-old president of Alden Global Capital. And you got to know, like, these guys hide. They are not out there in the open. Um, you go to their website, and it's like just one picture, and that's it, and nothing else, and very, very secretive. So this guy had the cojones to go and knock on um, Heath Freeman, the president of Golden, Alden Global Capital, he's 41 years old, knocked on his front door. And um, John Wertheim asked him during the interview, what did you want to say to him? And uh, Evan Brandt said, I, what, I, what I settled on is this, what value do you place on local news? And I'm not talking about money. What value do you place on it? Um, and then Brandt goes on to recall that uh, he, he did actually get let in by a woman. Um, and he was he caught a glimpse, glimpse of Freeman, but he just walked away. Um, again, the hedge fund is very, very secretive. Their website shows a single photo, and that's it if you go to Alden Global's website. Um, it started its uh, print empire over the last decade, and it now owns more than 200 newspapers, including our own SS Park Trail Gazette, making the country's second largest newspaper owner behind Gannett. Um, and and its rapid takeover and cuts really have have kind of put uh, have, have caught the attention of U.S. lawmakers. Back in 2019, 21 senators wrote to Heath Freeman asking him to abandon his newspaper killing business model. Of course, they uh, they didn't do that. Actually, they double downed. Um, last year, they made a play for Tribune Publishing, um, you know, which which owns uh, the Baltimore Sun and Chicago Tribune. And um, so we, we've seen it's it's uh, we've seen the results of this. Um, and really what it's doing is it's pushing local journalists to, to find new ways to survive. And that's actually led to some good things like the Colorado Sun and, and their umbrella. Um, there, there's a whole bunch, just a bunch of organically um, arising news outlets. Not that, that the Colorado Switchblade is necessarily a news outlet. Now, I certainly do a certain amount of journalism. Um, accountability reporting and whatnot, but it's it's it, I I consider the Colorado Switchblade more of a online magazine format. Now, when I'm writing books, if I've got a contract going, most of it's going to be podcast. But you know, when I'm not in the middle of writing a book, I write a couple articles every week. Now, you'll see that come back around after August when I um, have the deadline done for my book, and uh, you know, in between book projects, but. Um, you know, so th there will be a lot more written word. I've started doing these written audio essays where I write an essay about something that's my mostly true tales, and then I'll read it online. Um, so yeah, so you know, I'm not I'm not just a strict news outlet. I, I consider myself more of like a Colorado counterculture online magazine, kind of a, a modern day zine, if you will, um, with uh, you know the added bells and whistles of podcasts. So. All right. Well, I'm done. I got to get to I got to get to Denver and uh, take my daughters out to Meow Wolf again. All right, folks, you've been listening to the Colorado Switchblade and I'm your host, Jason Van Tatenow with guest host. Winter Raven. All right, folks, we'll we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>